cool. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. But stay on your motherfucking toes! We running this, let's go! I'm on a boat! As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jay Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Jay Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode... Din and Grogu brave the hive seas and meet unexpected allies, Bo-Katan and her Mandalorians. There will be Din having an identity crisis because Bo-Katan is back, baby. We're talking about the Mandalorian episode, The Heiress, this week. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing very good. No one cares because this week we are joined by a very special guest. She is the editor for Dork Side of the Force and the host of Now This Is Lit, a Star Wars book podcast and a huge fan of Bo-Katan, like the biggest Bo-Katan fan I know. Welcome to the show, Meg Dow. How you doing? Hello. Hello, it's me. I'm here and I almost spit out my water when you <laughs> did your intro because it's just great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we have fun here. Uh, it's not the first time I spat water. So, and we're, you know, we, we no. call ourselves classy, like quote unquote classy. So you're in good company if you spit water. Great. Love that. Well, how are you doing this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, just uh, hanging out, waiting for some more Star Wars to happen. I mean, I know we just got some, but like, it's hard, you know, when you get Star Wars, but you're so used to having so much and you're there's a gap. We're almost done, though. We're getting there. It's good. We're almost. We're almost at Andor. We're almost at Andor. Mm. Oh, I can't wait. Cannot wait for Andor. Mm. Uh, I'm excited. Chris, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. I had a crazy, crazy week last week. A lot of, a lot of people quitting and not showing up at the job while the bosses were on vacation. Ooh. So I, I got to work a lot, but. For some reason, it did not kill me. It was kind of fun because oh. I was getting bumped all over the place. So it was very novel. You know, my day wasn't like the same day over and over again. It was always it was quite different. So it was a good it was a good week. Oh, when the cat's away, the mice will leave, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And and my house. Speaking of cats, my housemate came home. So not and. And she's been hanging around the house all day. So now, now my cat doesn't need to just stalk and harass me constantly. So it's uh, that's that's calmed down. Gotcha. I will say, listeners, speaking of cats, um, if my sound is weird or you might pick up fish sounds, this is week one of me cat sitting for three weeks. So if I start talking to a cat or you hear a cat or if my sound sounds off, just bear with us for about three weeks. It's it's just going to be a little different because. And uh, those of you with sharp ears might even hear the sound of of shrimps in the background. Shrimp? Yes. Just shrimp, not shrimps. No, there are shrimps, plural. 
Yeah, but uh, shrimp, shrimp. They're all shrimp. It's a bunch of shrimp. Yeah. No, that that's actually the one I'm scared of because they're like the shrimp are going to probably die when we're gone, and I was like, oh no, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. okay. They're like, yeah, here's oh, no. some tongs. Just get them out with the tongs. Put them in the yard. Oh. It was like, okay. What is the shrimp lifespan? It must. Apparently, apparently, they're very finicky. Like, and they're like they have to. You have to not use chlorine water. You have to unchlorify the water. If it gets too low, I have to pour it incredibly slow so not to startle them they can just die i guess just heal over dead (laughs) and they're like yeah we won't be surprised if we come back and all the shrimp are dead and i was like okay well good luck (laughs) you just just glance over you glance over while we're recording you're like oh i think one's dead (laughs) you should go out you should go out and buy like a shrimp cocktail and just have it set up on the table when they come home (laughs) and be just like reading a book and like dipping them in the in the sauce and just like yeah the shrimp died this would be really sad because they're they're not even an inch big. They're very small. They're very oh. tiny shrimp. They're very they're cute, but just, I'm why very they just scared. Get sea monkeys. I don't know. Maybe they're just so callous because once you've had shrimp for a while and you just go through the life cycle of the shrimp after a while, you just stop care. You know, you can't like get that attached to them. I get well. Haley, the, one of the people I'm house sitting for, like she worked at an aquarium, so like she's been around animals right, for a right. long time. So maybe she just saw a lot of death at the Georgia Aquarium. I don't know. Well, I mean, it just is probably sort of say la vie. That's the life of a shrimp, you know. Probably in the ocean, probably shrimp don't have to be that hardy because they probably don't last that long. They probably just reproduce like crazy and get eaten all the time, like we yeah. do to them. I will say they also have snails, and these snails are always fucking. <laughs> they are, there's just like a pile of snails at all times, yeah. and they're just, and I think one laid eggs, and I'm gonna text, because right now it's like three. Oh man, we, 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 we were, we were like a week late on the, on the episode of the show. That would have been perfect, perfectly timed up if your snails were laying eggs. Like, you could have been, you could have had like, Snail, snail, um. Oh, uh, are you talking about the Frog Lady episode? Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that would have, that would have timed up really nicely. Well, enough about dying shrimp. (laughs) I have no way to segue. (laughs) (laughs) So, Meg, you are our guest. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, so we like to ask you a couple of questions at the top of the show, just so our listeners can get to know you. So first of all, uh, promote yourself. Like, tell us about some of the stuff you do, where you write. I know you write a lot of places. You have a few podcasts. So tell us about them. Yeah. So I'm currently the um, site editor at Dork Side of the Forest, which is just all Star Wars things, um, news, opinions, uh, reviews of things. You know, we have a lot of fun over there. I like to um, keep things uh, happy and and I don't want to say positive because like there are things that you have to write about that aren't always but um we like to have fun and because the whole point of being a Star Wars fan is to have fun right so we just uh you know it's all freelance so we write when we can we do all kinds of fun things um if you're if you're out there and you ever want to write about Star Wars uh let me know because uh it's pretty I I read all the applications so you know it's like you're I feel like you're looking at me on that one, like, hey, Hope, if you ever want to write a I mean, hey, you know, if you have (laughs) one, 
<laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and then I, I do I do some podcasts. Um, I am part of Followers of the Force, who is just always always doing all kinds of fun stuff. We're in the middle of a of a uh, Andor Rogue One Road to all the fun things. So we're talking about all the books. We're talking about the Rogue One movie. It's great. Um, I have another podcast called Starboard Dawn that's been on hiatus for a while, but it's basically very short. Um, here's why Star Wars is hopeful and how we can uh, think about that every day because. Um, I started that podcast in 2020 because I felt like we all needed it. Um, and it is coming back at some point because I get out just I get out of it just as much as uh, everyone who listens, I hope does. So um it's good for all of us. Um, and most recently, I started uh, now this is lit, which is a podcast all about Star Wars books. and it's about um, the books themselves. It's about all of us who are reading them, and it's about the people who are making them, which is the most exciting part because I just get to talk to people who are writing Star Wars and responsible for Star Wars books happening, which is like, um, never thought that I'd get to do that, but here we are. Um, yeah. So I, uh, am doing all kinds of things and just loving being a Star Wars fan and celebrating all of, uh, the stories. So correct me if I'm wrong. You're also running what choice, right? it's it's a team effort um i i kind of am part of the uh we kind of like together decided we wanted to do it but basically like i'm the one who just like makes sure um everyone is uh happy and every and things are going um but yeah that was basically like um when all that stuff went down i went to um one of my co-hosts rachel and i was like hey this is not cool um we just, need to do something about context, this uh the what stuff went down was in response to Roe v. Wade getting overturned yes. and yes. a bunch of us got together. Well, not me. I don't say us. Like I was not part of it. Meg and a bunch <laughs> of her friends got together and they started raising money for abortion rights, which is really mm -hmm. awesome. Um, is, is it complete now or is it still going? Oh, good question. I should know the answer to this. Um, we are still trying to get to 50,000. I think the story quickly behind that is we started this and we were kind of like, we can get to 5,000 in a week. Um, and we got to $5,000 in, uh, like within a couple hours of starting. Oh. Um, because yeah, because you know, what happens is, um, when star Wars fans come together and say, something's not right, we need to do something about it. Uh, you know, stuff happens. Um, so all that's going to, um, abortion funds and it's going to hopefully help a lot of people. I think at this point we are just um, in the home stretch trying to get to 50,000. So if you still want to donate, um, there is a link actually still pinned to my Twitter profile where you can go to the GoFundMe and do that. Um, because it, it's, you know, even though what happens with this stuff a lot of times is we'll talk about it right after it happens and then it kind of fades away. You know, it's still, all this is still going on. People still need help and resources. And anything we can do to continue helping people is good. So, like, donate if you can. If you can't, not a problem. You can always share, retweet, talk about it. Like, there are so many different ways to help. Um, so, yeah, that's still open and I believe will be until uh, we get to 50000 So, uh, we're, we're almost there. So, so this episode good. will come out in about two weeks, Chris? Two weeks? A couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, at the time of this recording, we are at 47000 um, wow! So, yeah. Wow. Uh, so let's see. Let's see. By the time this episode comes out, if we hit fifty thousand, and <laughs> yeah. if we do, 
awesome. If not, now you know what to do to go check it out. Uh, even you if go. you don't, 47,000 is pretty good. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's the important thing to remember yeah. is that, like, it is it is a big deal that Star Wars, um, the Star Wars community came together and said, like, we can, we don't have to just sit and watch these things happening in the real world. We can um, do something about it. And it's, it's, it's inspired by Star Wars, but, you know, um, it we are in the real world and we have to, you know, do what we can to make it better, which is what Star Wars teaches us anyway, so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, the next question I have for you is, how did you get into Star Wars, and what is your favorite Star Wars? Ooh. So, or some of your favorites. Yeah, it is, it is hard to pick. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that second part of that question for a while. <laughs> so, it, it pretty much, I couldn't avoid getting into Star Wars. Um, my dad saw Star Wars when it first came out, and I think he said he went to see it 11 times. Um, right when right when it released in seventy seven. Hey, let's get your dad on the show. Sounds like <laughs> let's get somebody for me to hang out with. That sounds <laughs> sounding very familiar to me. Yeah, he's an just... OG fan. Just for context, <laughs> I, I was eight. I, I was in the theater at eight years old. Yeah, in seventy seven. I love it. It's it's so interesting to Nine me to like old. hear yeah hear about people who were there when this is happening because like we don't think about that that much because like people like me, Star Wars has always existed. But, you know, when you were there, when it all began, nothing like that had ever happened before. So that's, we got our brains nuked. Yeah, it was, yeah exactly. Yeah. My dad, my dad always talks about the um, the first time they go into hyperspace in the stars. Um, he just is like he saw that for the first time and he's like, I had never seen anything like that in my life, which is so cool. Um, and so he's been a fan since Star Wars began and um, he's a huge mo- movie person. So like. Regardless of what time of day it is, when it is, if he's home, there's usually a movie on playing somewhere. Um, and so basically what happened is there, Star Wars was just on all the time. And even if I wasn't like actively consuming it, it was still there. And when The Phantom Menace came out, my brother was pretty young. Um, so he would just watch it on repeat over and over and over and over again because it, it is literally a movie made for kids, right? And, yeah. and everyone can enjoy it, but George Lucas, his whole thing is kids need to enjoy it and understand it. My brother loved it. And I just, like, me- memorized the entire movie just because it was on all the time. And, um, you know, as I got older, I just, like, it became my fandom because I think that's an important transition is it's part of your life but then you get to kind of at some point claim it as your own and that happened to me with the books um because at I got to a point where I wanted to watch all the movies just like on my own because I'd never seen all of them all the way through before and I got to the end of episode two attack of the clones um Anakin and Padme are married it's great and this war is about to start and I run to my dad and I'm like dad I gotta see the next one and this was probably 2000 three 2004 which means ah. revenge of the sith wasn't out yet and i was like dad what do you mean i can't watch Ooh, more star wars now because, oh now you know how he felt <laughs> yes because at that time there wasn't really like now we have all these shows we have all this stuff there wasn't really nearly as much of that as there is now so there wasn't anything really else to watch um so he's like hey let's go to the library and get some star wars books and you know, here here I am all these years later, and I'm like, I never thought that one trip to the library would, like, change my life. But, like, now I get to talk about Star Wars books all the time because it they are, were the thing that really got me into my fandom and exploring Star Wars stories 
in a way that I personally loved. And, you know, I fell away from Star Wars for a while, like when I was in school and I got busy and I had other things to do. And the Ahsoka novel coming out was the thing that brought me back. And I was like, I, I know Ahsoka. I've heard of this character. I want to read this new book. And then I was like, well, I read this book and now I want to read all the other ones that came out that I missed. And uh, here we are. Um, we <laughs> me having read every canon novel that's come out because sort of because I have to, but also wow. because I want to. Isn't that great? Oh, what a horrible life you live. <laughs> I know it's miserable every single oh. day. I just have to wake up and read more Star Wars. Oh, thank you for your service. <laughs> Um, so the reason I wanted to have you on here tonight, uh, which is the third question, what is it about Mandalorians and more specifically Bo-Katan that you love about them so much? Because you that I, I wanted to make sure because I was like, I'm pretty sure Meg is a big Bo-Katan fan. And of mm -hmm. course you are. But that's why I asked. So I don't think she is. I'm pretty sure. I, I swear <laughs> she talks about her a lot. <laughs> Yeah, you can't see it if you're listening, but behind me, there's a Bo-Katan helmet, there's a Bo-Katan minibus, there's, a Bo there's every Bo-Katan thing that probably exists that's out at this point. It's mine because I had to have it. Um, so the thing with Mandalorians is in, um, in Legends, they're portrayed very much as like, they're these warriors and every Mandalorian, you know, with a few exceptions, is pretty much the same you know, and how they're, and we see that depicted in like the Clone Wars also and other things now, but kind of what like the Clone Wars did with Mandalorians and then transitioning into uh, canon and the stories that we're getting now is kind of took the idea of what a Mandalorian is and kind of said like, well, what if Mandalorians can be different things? Um, and you have characters like Satine who doesn't want this life of um, we're warriors and we operate a certain way. She wants um, peace. She doesn't want any of that. And to kind of see, like, to kind of understand and realize that um, these these characters in this culture that I've always just really been fascinated by um, was suddenly way more complex um, really just drew me in. And I've always loved um, the Mandalorians. I don't really know why. I think it's just because... Um, their culture and what we know of it is just so fascinating. They have this long history of all these wars and these things that they've been through. But then now we also have um, this family. We have Satine and we have Bo-Katan and uh, however Corky fits into that equation. We, who knows? Um, oh, I have and, a question about Corky in this. <laughs> oh yeah. So do I. We're, we're going to get to that because it's a, it's, it's been bothering me ever since. Oh so yeah. Out. <laughs> I have I have quirky questions. Oh man, they're very important questions. Maybe he's know. a Kenobi. Mm. Yeah, possibly he might be. He probably <laughs> is. <laughs> uh yeah, but like I just um they're just so fascinating to me, and especially the arcs in the Clone Wars that we got um early on about how like there were all these complex things going on and, you know, Mandalore doesn't want to take sides and, you know, not all Mandalorians agree on how things should be done. And um, it just took like this one um, society where everyone was kind of seemed the same and just made it, you know, not like that. Um, and Bo-Katan specifically, I think what really um, drew me to her is that she is even more complex than that because 
a lot of people are like, oh, she's a villain, right? But not really. Um, it's way more complicated than that because she's done things that she probably looks back on. And she's like, yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. And her motivations now, as we're going to talk about, may not seem great, um, especially the way that she might be going about that. But, like, she also wants things for very uh, sentimental reasons and is justified in a lot of the things that she wants, even if she doesn't always go about it the best way. And, like, isn't that all of us sometimes? You know, I found it very relatable because don't we all have things that we've done before that were like, you know, maybe, okay, not to this extreme. Hopefully, but, you know, we all have things where we're like, well, I shouldn't have done it that way, but I had a reason um, or I was feeling a certain way. And that's why this happened. And I'm very in particular interested in where her character goes from here because um, she's not too happy with Din Djarin right now um, <laughs> for reasons. And I, I want more of their relationship, but I also want to know where she's going to end up because she's been holding on to something for a long time and I think we're getting to a point where her character is going to have to decide um what legacy means to her what her place in the galaxy is and um you know what she's going to do about um the history of her people that most of them which she's lost so um it's a very interesting story to me and if anyone is ever going to write a full book of Mandalorian history for canon um, you know, like, I'm not saying it has to be me, but like, I think it has to be written at some point because we need more. <laughs> Meeting. Hey, Lucasfilm, Meg wants to write a book for you. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I've written stuff. I'm here. You know, just if you ever need, just, just, just you know, send me a DM on Twitter. Thank you. Yeah. No, they, they need content for sure. I'm going to uh, throw one more question at you because I thought about this um, as you were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your general thoughts of the show, The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett? Just general thoughts. I love them. Um, you know, I, I have like few actual complaints about live action Star Wars because I'm just so grateful that we're getting it because we could not be getting anything. Um, but I, I think to have um, stories like this, and I think one thing I really like about them is they are taking a lot of characters that we know and bringing back characters we've seen before, but they're mixing it in so well with like new concepts, new characters. Um, I love these shows. I really do. I, I think I'm more excited about the Mandalorian coming back next year than like anything else at this point, because there's, I think there's just something special about, it having been the first Star Wars thing we got on Disney Plus and how special that was and how cool it was to see a live action Star Wars TV show like on a streaming service. Um, I think the storytelling is great. And I think even if parts of it aren't perfect, I think it's getting better as it goes along. And like, I loved Book of Boba Fett. Like, I really don't have too many complaints about it. Um, I think it did exactly what it needed to do. And it was short and it was delightful. Cool. I'm gonna have to agree with you there. Yeah, because I, I, I'm excited to go back to the book of Boba Fett when we finish Mando season two, just mm-hmm. because I've only seen it once, and like I know my initial feelings, but like now that it's complete, I, I'm looking forward to like tackling it. Because I, you know, coming to season two of Mando, 
I remember I was not the biggest fan of season two, but honestly, mm-hmm. three episodes in, it's solid. Like, I've, every I've, episode is really good on the second rewatch. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly how I felt watching this third episode. I'm like, not that I didn't like the second episode or season of Mando, it just didn't seem as it wasn't as starkly rooted in my memory as the first season. Mm. And now that I'm watching it a second time, I'm thinking, did I, was I like watching this? Like when I got right home from work and was distracted or something, because so far uh, these first three episodes are solid as a rock. Yeah. 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 I know for me, um, there, there's a lot of value in going back to rewatch this stuff, just like on your own, because Mm. I, I can't wait to watch these new episodes um, until like after work. I have to do it when I wake up because I have to create content around them. That's just the nature of my life. Um, So I have to watch them very early when I wake, uh, like right when I get up. And sometimes even if it's a really good episode, I'm just not always feeling it. It doesn't have anything to do with the episode. It's just like this state in which I'm in. But if I go back and rewatch it later, sometimes in the evening or like later that weekend, like it's great. Um, I think sometimes like when we're also anticipating like how we're going to react in the fandom because fandom is great, but it does sometimes impact like the way that you interact with the things that you're watching. So I do, I do, yeah. So I do really try to recommend to people like watch it again, like just sit in your living room, put Twitter away, watch it and just like see how you feel because it, it does tend to change, um, the way that you see it and like like this the episode that we watched uh for this episode that we're recording now like i loved it the first two times i saw it watched it today and i was like this is great like i'm having yeah. an even greater time now than i did the first two times it really changes everything yeah and i think now that i know that hope and i are going to you know do a, a show on every episode of star wars that comes out after the mm-hmm. second time we watch it i just like I sit there and it's funny because I will like be reaching for my notebook and then be like, nope. And then I'll, but I think now the first time I watch something, I just let it wash over me. I just Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm just gonna like, just, just consume it. And it, sometimes it just maybe washes right through a little more than it would because I know I'm gonna go over it a second time, but good star Wars really is made to be watched over and over again. That's why your dad went to see it 11 times because Exactly. It's it's funny. I remember uh Scott Gardner, the guy I started the podcast network with and did the Marvel comics with. Um he went to a movie with his dad that just happened to have the trailer a uh, teaser trailer for Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And and, you know, this is directly after Star Wars when we couldn't even really conceive of what the sequel was going to be like. And it had like three shots from the movie. And one of them was Boba. And of course, he saw he saw it in the theater. His brain was exploding because he was as big a Star Wars fan as me. And mm-hmm. and, you know, it was like a 30 second thing, mostly with, you know, a narrator before and after. And so he only had that, ma- and like you can't rewind it, you can't watch it again without making your dad go to the movie again with you the next night, which was not going to happen. Although he begged him to do it, mm-hmm. and I was begging my parents that I can't remember what movie it was, but they're like, "We're not taking you to a movie so you can see three seconds of Star Wars." <laughs> to you know, it's just not going to happen. 
so he came into school and all he could do is describe there's you know, the Boba Fett, you know, he didn't even have a name for him. He's just like there's this character with this this outfit and armor and blah blah blah. And then they, you know, announced the name and there was gonna be an action figure ahead of time and oh my god. You know, in the days of no internet it was it was it was grueling. Hmm. Well, are you guys ready to get into the episode? Let's do I it. All right. <clears throat> I should probably take a drink of my drink. Hydrate or dehydrate, bitches. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Chapter Live 11. like a fish, Hope. Oh, they might die. <laughs> I hope they don't die. Live like here. a fish and not like a shrimp. Oh, I'm so live scared. like a fish and don't die like a shrimp. I'm so scared for these damn shrimp. <laughs> like the cats are easy. Everything's automated. They have automated feeders, automated uh-huh. litter boxes, automated water. I essentially have to just like dump trays and then make sure like the like Jimmy the thing to make sure the food's not not stuck. I'm scared for the shrimp. <laughs> They're the hard. <laughs> Ah, uh, three weeks of stress. I'll be fine. Anyway, <clears throat> here we go. Chapter 11, The Heiress, is the 11th episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November 13th, 2020. It was written by John Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Some, I read that right. Sorry, I, my brain just went Bryce Howard Dallas. <laughs> and I was like, did I say it out loud? <laughs> We're fine. Some extra information for you. Katie Sackoff reprises her role as Bo-Katan Kryze, a character she voiced in both Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Her other works include 24, The Flash, but but she is best known for Battlestar Galactica. Katie talked with StarWars.com about transitioning Bo-Katan from animation to live action. She said, I truly thought that having voiced her for over a decade would help me, and it actually sort of hurt me a little bit in the beginning. While it gave me a tremendous understanding of who she was as a person, it didn't help me figure out her per- figure out her physicality. It didn't help me figure out the way she- her face moved or the way she walked. I'd seen her the way she moved. I had seen the way she moved, but it was an animation. And so to translate this, I'm sorry, my computer's are really far away from me, so I'm like having to <laughs> lean in very close because this is just the space I have. So bear with me, everyone. Um, and so to translate that in a way that she didn't look cartoonish was actually harder than I thought it would be. In the recording booth, I'm a crazy person. I'm moving, I'm jumping around, and my face is doing all these weird things. There's a stoicism to Bo-Katan that is very purposeful and intentional. When she moves, she means to do it. It's thought out. So I really had to find a way, a way of living her and having her move in a way that felt calculated, which did not allow for crazy Katie to come out into to come into play at all. And moving on, Casca Reeves is played by Mercedes uh, Vernado. Mercedes is better known by her WWE wrestling name, Sasha Banks. This was actually her first acting role. I will say my dad, who hates everything sci-fi, does not understand Star Wars. I, he is a big wrestling fan, and I tried my dandest to be like, Sasha Banks is in a Star Wars. Isn't that awesome? And he was just like, all right. <laughs> I tried, I tried if there was any entry for him to Star Wars it was going to be Sasha Banks and it didn't work so I tried um, according to Mercedes Bernardo she was discovered by Favreau after she, uh, he saw her interview on the YouTube web series Hot Ones 
The showrunner felt that her fierce persona was fitting for a Mandalorian, as well as the physicality she showed from being a wrestling, from being in the wrestling business. After Renata's contact information was obtained, the casting director of The Mandalorian reached out to the WWE star over Instagram, and Favreau offered her the job over FaceTime. Renata was initially nervous as she feared her portrayal in the show might clash, clash with her wrestling career. To play a part, she apparently went straight from performing on live national television, television to waking up at 5 in the morning, catching a flight, and going straight to the trailer. Renato still had glitter on her face from the prior WWE event. And I just thought this was a fun tidbit, so I wanted to share. During the dinner at the end scene, uh, Mercedes slurped a long udon noodle to simulate eating an octopus. Though, she did say she was totally down for slurping up a real octopus. And I'm like, my girl. <laughs> my girl. <laughs> I Octopus is one of those foods that I only eat one way because they're so smart. I'm like, I don't want to eat something that's this smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, if, if they're in takoyaki, man, I love takoyaki. <laughs> Give me all the octopus. I'll destroy the, the population. Axe Wolves is played by Simon Cassie in it. Cassian Indies, I promise I practice this. Um, his other works include Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Pearson. Axwell's name was actually created by George Lucas when he was visiting the set one day. When Simon first saw his Mandalorian helmet, it brought him to tears as he was a lifelong Boba Fett fan. Mm-hmm. His first time on set was so overwhelming that his colleagues gave him a few minutes to take in the experience before filming. The Imperial Captain is played by Titus Williver. Uh, his other works include Castlevania series, The Good Wife, and Lost. The Frogman is played by John, uh, John Cameron. And because, I remember this day on Twitter, when he because he received a huge amount of love for his sweater on the internet, the sweater-loving Mon Calamari dock worker is played by makeup and costume ca- craftsman Frank Ipolito. Other puppet- another puppeteer for the dock worker was Janina Garvanka, who, was the, who acted as Ian Versio in the Battlefront 2 games. The Mon Calamari dock worker was so popular that he has a cameo in the Star Wars Vision short La Pinocho. What? I remember seeing him in La Pinocho and I was like, is that the guy from the Mandalorian? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. It's, it's, it's the scene where the, the flash forward after Lop has been adopted and... Mm-hmm. No, it's either when she's running through the marketplace or after she's fought with his sister. It's one of those two scenes. And mm-hmm. she runs past him, and I was like, hey, it's the dog worker guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Meg. Um, I Here is your complimentary spray bottle. Uh, we give this to all of our guests because Yoda is here. Um, a spray and, bottle you do not need. And if he gets to be too much, you spray it on him. Just like this. Hey, Yoda. Uh, Yoda's not too much. No, Yoda's just right. You need to be on your best behavior. We have a guest. Yoda, best behavior. This, this isn't, this isn't mom. This isn't Charles. Mom, where's mom? This mom is Charles. Here? Charles will text you. You know he will. This is Meg. Be nice. Mm, hello. Hello. Yoda is very nice. <laughs> What have they what have they been telling you about Yoda? Lies? Lies about Yoda? All good things. All yes. good things about Yoda, yes. Good Jedi is Yoda. Flattery goes a very long way with this one. Oh, I figured. 
So, Yoda, I have a question for you. Yes, question for wise Yoda. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. actually, we're not talking about your brains today. We're talking about your physicality. Mm, yes, question for strong Yoda. Not yes. only strong in the force. So, in this episode, Grogu did all of his uh, own stunts. Like, when the, when the tentacle monster, like, reached up and, like, ate him. Like, Grogu yes, did all Yes, his favorite scene. <laughs> funny, that's funny so, scene. That's so mean. Don't do that to Grogu. He works very hard doing all his own stunts. Yoda did nothing. Yoda just watched and laughed. <laughs> it's like the Phil Collins song. <laughs> what? <laughs> if Yoda saw you drowning, would not lend a hand. Oh. <laughs> yes, saw your little face before, Grogu. You don't know that I know who Grogu am. Now give me that water bottle. Can I see it for a second? <laughs> here, 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 here you go. No water. Calm please. down. Here you go. Have, have your water bottle back. Yoda, the question I had for you is, did you ever do your own stunts in any of Yoda the movies? Did all Yoda's own stunts. Many stunts Yoda did. Really? Yoda does wire work too. Yes, if anybody's listening. Yoda Yoda also has done CG modeling, like Space Andy Circus. Yo many people you see in Star Wars, people walking around, is Yoda with little CG dots. Uh are you Yoda can walk like a regular person. Oh my like god, did you play person. Did you play Luke in the season finale? Was that you? Maybe. Maybe <gasps> Yoda has has many paper, much paperwork about what Yoda is able to talk about. Oh cool, cool. The um, space NDAs. Because I know you weren't in, in Kenobi, but maybe you actually secretly were. Wanted to be in Kenobi, but couldn't be in Kenobi. Oh, gotcha. And Yoda knows Kenobi said, no, no, no Yoda. No Yoda. Put in Qui-Gon. <gasps> oh, Yoda, Qui-Gon on Yoda, set. Yoda, Yoda, shut up. Yoda, shut up. Grogu's here. Hi, Grogu. <sighs> Hi, Meg. Welcome to our show. Grogu! Hi. What's up, buddy? Oh, I heard that we had a guest today, and I just wanted to come say hi. Thank you for I... taking the time to be here. I'm so glad you came to say hi. Can I have a hug? Of course you can have a hug. All I've ever oh. wanted is to hug you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you and all the very, very hard work you do. Yoda, you're Yo right. Yoda has to go write another poem about Yoda's feelings. Yes, walk away, old man. They won't know where to find you when I'm done. Yoda's gonna write a poem about you. I'm sorry, Grogu, what did you say about Yoda? I said that he's a very hard worker, and I always love working with Yoda. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> Alright, well, bye, you two. Enjoy filming. Bye. Boy, oh boy. Oh, you got to meet Grogu. He never comes out. <laughs> Man, special day. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yoda's going back to listen to his Phil Collins. <laughs> 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 Phil Collins joke. 
Maybe maybe Yoda Phil played Phil Collins all those years. Think about it. Take a look. Take another look at Phil Collins and think about it. Saying Not saying anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, you guys ready to get into Act One? Oh my God, Phil Collins did a song called "Illegal Alien." It was actually about Yoda. Is that it what you're saying? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been from experience. All right. Well, hmm. Act One. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> you... Shut me up. Nobody's invoking a rule. <laughs> Go I'll shut the fuck one. up, Chris. <laughs> oh, you want to try it, Meg? You want to try it? Yeah, I'll save right it just here. in case. Okay, okay, okay. I'm right here. Okay. Um, and you don't have to mute yourself. Feel free to laugh at me. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Act one. So I feel like I need to give a small recap of last week, just so we know like why there's a frog person in Din Djarin's front seat. So he's looking for other Mandos, right? And like the best pansexual woman of all time of Star Wars, and we all love her, Pelimoto. Pelly was like, hey, this frog lady can take you to her husband who knows where Mandos are. And Den's like, cool. And she's like, you can't fly hyperspace. And he's like, aw, not, not cool, dude. I guess, oh, fine. Come on, frog lady. So they put her on a ship and they can't fly hyperspace. And then there's some X-Wings and Dave Filoni shows up and like, it's a whole thing. And then they land on an ice planet. Actually, they crash on an ice planet. They don't actually land. Well, I guess technically it's a landing. <laughs> Fine. And there's spiders, and they get off safely. And now they have to limp to the next planet because they got to get Frog Lady back to her frog husband so they can make frog babies. And it was a whole thing. All right, on to this week. We open with our heroes and they're having a nice nappy nap and they're all stuck in the cockpit or else they'll die it's great and it's precious and it's sweet and Grogu's like rubbing his face like i'm awake now Uh, i'm a puppet um and it's time to land on the planet and it's intense because they have like no one of the things the fire comes out of the engine no engines at all and so they're like all right good luck everybody hope we don't die and frog lady is like we won't die. You're the protagonist. And he's like, that's right. I'm the protagonist. You're not. <laughs> I have plot armor. Let's go. And so it's like this fiery ball coming from the sky. And our heroes are like, ah! And Grogu's like, ee! And Frog Lady's like, ah! And they finally get down and they land on the thing with a hard little thump and then they fall into the water. And then Hope laughs because that's actually one of my favorite moments of the episode. <laughs> Watching the- <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> but they get towed out of the water and they're put down there and they come out in like the sassy Mon Calamari person with his nice corded sweater that he got probably from like a re- not like what's a fancy target? What's what's like what J Crew? And sure. I, I buy my clothes from Goodwill, who knows? Maybe uh, fancier target, but I don't know if J Crew's fancy. I don't know, it's fancy for me, but you know. He, the Mon Calamari dock worker got it from the really fancy Target, right? And he's all like, hey guys, look at my sweater. And they're like, wow, that's a nice sweater. Twitter's going to go crazy over that. And he's like, I You know, know. what it looks like? It looks huh. like L.L. Bean. Oh, yeah, yeah, L.L. Bean okay. catalog. Um, so Den pays the Mon Calamari, and he's like, here you go. And here's a little extra for your nice sweater. We'll see you in Star Wars Visions. And the dock worker's like, what's that? He's like, you'll find out. And so none of this matters, though, because... The music is all slow, and then it swells because Frog Lady across the dock 
sees her frog husband, and they are so precious. I lose my mind every time I see this scene, and she is like, ah! and he's like, ah! and then they meet, and then they hug. I wish they did little froggy kisses, though, actually, they have really long tongues, so that might be horrific, but I like to imagine it. Um, and they're together again, and I love them, everybody. It's great. So, Din comes over, and he's like, here's your wife. Where's the Mandos? And the frog is like, oh, I'll take you over here. But all, as all this is happening, someone mysterious is watching from a, the boxes. I was about to say she was in a box. She's not. She's by the boxes. <laughs> and, and Din is like, mysterious person and then she's gone because it's tv and he can magically do that apparently and he's like well i guess i shouldn't worry about that now so the frog people lead them to an inn and they're like here you go go talk to that guy so he goes over and there's another mon calamari dude and he comes over and he's like hey you want food and den's like yeah i'm hungry for information and he wants chowder and then they like pour Grogu this really gross chowder but it's actually a really cool practical effect so i'm really down for it kind of gross though um (laughs) and the mon calamari dude is like oh yeah those guys over there see those sailors they can take you to others like you and den's like cool and so a corn comes over and the corn's like hey i heard you're looking for mandos and den's like yeah why are we still in this scene for three minutes and he's like i can take you off to the high seas and it's time for a ship boat adventure and we're on a boat y'all there is a boat in star wars it's amazing! <laughs> and so, all the Korans are like, we're on a boat! And Den's like, yeah, it's cool, I guess. And they're like, I guess. This is... You need to get eaten. And Den's like, what? And they're like, nothing, nothing! Come see our tentacle monster! We have just this whole-ass tentacle monster on the boat. You want to see us feed it? And Den's like, this is shady, but I'm a himbo, so let's go see it! Yeah! And he walks on over. And you know what these little assholes do? These little asshole corns are just like, Hey, Baby Yoda, we know that everyone's going to care about this. And they smack him into the water, and the internet cried out. The internet cried, and he goes into, like, super pram mode. Like, the pram shuts Grogu in, and the big tentacle monster comes out and is like, um, And it's all like, I'm going to have a snack. And it tries to eat Baby Yoda, and then it's like, my son! jumps into the water he's like come back son he's like oh shit i'm covered completely in metal this is a horrible idea (laughs) and they the corns are like yay and they tried to drown him and they're like poking him with a stick and he's like ow stop poking me ow god i need to save my child but i need to breathe everything's hard because i'm dead why is my life hard but what's that on the horizon off in the distance Actually, no, because I wrote this before I actually watched the scene. They don't actually don't come from the horizon, but let's pretend. Off in the horizon comes three people on jetpacks, zooming through the sky, and they land on the ship, and it's Bo-Freakin-Katan and her merry band of Mandos. And I decided to end the act there, because like 13 minutes into the episode, and if we, before they start talking and beating up shit, so we're just going to stop there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's where I about cut it, too. So, Meg... You're our guest. What did you think of Act One? Excellent. Especially that part toward the end there. Um, so, okay. I remember watching this episode for the first time, having no idea what was about to happen. And, you know, for those of you who, like, don't know me in real life, like, you may have heard me on a podcast or, like, you may 
have the misfortune of following me on Twitter. I don't know. But I'm a very quiet person, like just in my everyday life. Like I just kind of chill, you know, when I tell you that I screamed <laughs> the loudest I've ever yelled in my life when I saw Bo-Katan, uh, that's what happened. It was six o'clock in the morning. I was not I there were people sleeping in my house. Um, <laughs> it didn't matter to me because um, did not expect I just I didn't have any indication that Bogotan was going to show up like just didn't occur to me that that would that would be a thing that would be possible and so um like the moment you see her helmet I was like it, there there is no mistaking her for someone else when you see that helmet you know who it is um amazing I let's go back to the most romantic moment to oh, ever occur in Star Wars for a second the frogs the um, frogs the, the frog Man and Frog Lady reunion made me cry today because I rewatched the episode and I was like, I've seen this a couple times. It's fine. No, I still cried because it is perfect. It's the music. It's the way that it's filmed. It's just so perfect. And, you know, romance in Star Wars is very important. Um, But there is something very special about this scene that just um, you got to watch it whenever you need to feel good about life because. After all that they've been through, where they're finally reunited, their eggs are there, and the ones that are left, they're safe, and everyone is happy. And um, I did not expect like to have a moment like that in the Mandalorian, but like I'm sitting here crying, and I'm like, okay, like <laughs> my emotions. Um, I, and th- they have that one little moment, um, where before Frogman shows up, where she's just yelling for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like almost a fake out, like he might not come. And then you hear him call her and like the people part and there he is. Mm-hmm. And like her face, like she mm-hmm. lights up. And like, yeah. like when, like we talked about this a little bit last week, but like Missy Rojas, who plays the frog lady in the body, mm-hmm. like she's so good at that physicality yeah. of like, oh my God, my husband's not here. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I, I mean, imagining being away from the love of my life for an extended period of time and then seeing him again like i get it like you're gonna run oh you can thank baby yoda for that moment uh what because he's he added he just made it all he made you feel for her plight so much more by eating those eggs Mm. you know i mean you owe it to the spiders too for for and for himbo for crashing the ship so many times but like you know she went through a, she went through a lot to get there you know mm-hmm. and it would have it would have really sucked if if like she went through all that and then you know he wasn't there so mm. oh yeah um chris what are some of your thoughts about act one i have two simple notes for act one is Star Wars needs more boats. More, more boats. boats. <laughs> I remember there was like a 20 second clip of like so, of next week. And then we, I saw boats and I was just like, yes, boats. We're on a boat. But uh, and, and you, I mean, a lot of that was also coming from Resistance, which had so much beautiful which you don't get in Star, you don't get much water in Star Wars. You know, you got a, a a little bit with Kamino, but it was just a stormy planet. You didn't really, 
you know, there's never really been a water planet. But then when we had resistance, it was a lot of water and it was it was awesome, you know, seeing water dealt with the Star Wars. So just a boat was just like, yes, come on. I mean, actually, I want to talk about the boat for a second because I love this set piece because it is so, as you said, it's so rare. And like even with being on a water planet in resistance, there really are no boats. Like the closest we get, you don't have is, to use boats in Star Wars as much as unless you're like fishing or doing like you know. But even then, like when we get to uh, oh, what's the word with the world with uh, Queen, where like Lucy Lawless um, voiced the Queen. Um, oh Aos, right, I think it's right. called. They didn't even use boats. They were on flying fishes. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, like, it's such a unique set piece. And uh, as I said at the top, like, I remember seeing the boat in the trailer, and I lost my mind at the boat. Like, I was like, oh, my God, boat! It's a boat! Well, they have boats in Star Wars? Well, they, uh, the Mandalorian, it's totally in place because, like, it, you know, in the in the sort of, like, Western slash, you know, lone wolf and cub sort of thing. You know, we have to get on the boat to cross the the river or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it it sort of fits thematically. And so, but I just like, yeah, you don't see boats in Star Wars that much. And seeing a boat done Star Wars style. Come on. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. It's it's novel. Do you have any strong thoughts about the boats, Meg? I you know, I never really thought extensively about these boats, but like I never really thought about the fact that we don't really see boats in Star Wars. Yeah. And so like the fact that we got one, you know, because ships are flying around all the time. But like, what are people doing on the water? I'm sure boats have existed <laughs> um, in Star Wars. But like John Favreau was just like, hey, guys, what if what if we just put a boat, a boat in this episode? And you know what? John Favreau can do whatever he wants and so we have a boat but it fits it's not one of those things that like kind of feels like out of place like they it just seamlessly fits into the world and it's perfect oh yeah and I love that it's banned by like quarrens um yeah, well, yeah. that that's one of my favorite parts about the water world is like I, I've said it before in the show so I won't like cash out too much but like in live action Star Wars especially in television there's not a lot of aliens because they're a budget thing um yeah. and this world is just full of aliens there are moncalas and quarrens and it's so visually stimulating not just to see some like joe schmo on a boat but it's a boat of quarrens and yeah. it just looks so cool visually and i miss this like that's part of the reason why i love animation so much is mm-hmm. that star wars you can, can just... make everybody aliens yeah, yeah right. and it can just exist so like you know to go back to resistance like when you're on the colossus you walk into aunt Zia's cantina and there's more aliens than humans. And it's just so right. visually interesting. And I really, really love this world that we have because it's one, one of my gripes about Kenobi is when they get to the um, secret base camp or like Roken is and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. like three aliens. I think they're Trandoshans. They're like the sole Trandoshan family and everybody else is human. And it's just yeah. not visually stimulating to me. Yeah. No, I get that. My only other note is I I love the landing set piece. <laughs> it it's makes me very visceral and like well designed and feels it's it's somewhere like the the shot where they come over the one planet to the to with the blue planet coming over it almost looks like video. It almost looks documentary. 
or, or like, you know, or, you know, it just has a realism to it that, but it fits really well. And yeah, that's see that that's a, just a really nice and expensive set piece, which mm. there's been a lot of in these first three episodes. But yeah, it starts out, and yeah, and I love, I love the the look of us like a seaport, but it's not like a big city seaport. It's just like a Moss Eisley. It's like Moss Eisley, but by the by the ocean. Moss Eisley by the sea. Eisley by the sea. In the Aww. summer, we go vacation down at Isley by the Sea. Um, I don't That's have a lot of notes. Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes for Act One. Most of my notes are in Act Two and Three. Uh, Meg, yeah, me did you too. have any other strong notes about or feelings about Act One? Um, the first time I saw this episode, I did not see um the betrayal coming, which like I really should have. Um, but just like that surprise that like someone would do that to Grogu. Um. But, you know, glad that he ended up being okay. Yeah, I I love the pram, how um, it automatically closes the moment the yeah. monster comes up. That's a really cool shot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Din, my lovely himbo, which I will talk about his himbo-ness later. He's super three. himbo in this episode, He's I gotta so say. so himbo. I, I, I didn't notice that he was like that, like throughout the whole first season like i just wasn't really paying attention to how much he just didn't know he was in star wars and then like the, the more i paid attention to uh people talking about it online and then when i watched season two i was like oh oh din and I, um yeah the is that a bench moment in the book of boba fett will forever stick in my mind is this moment where like this man is supposed to be ruling an entire planet and i'm terrified he is, he is, like, when they're, they're like, you want to come see our tentacle monster? And he just is like, sure, why not? Cool. I'll, I'll hold my child over it and be like, what could Gregor? possibly go wrong? Dude, oh it's totally like, he's the guy in the dorm room who's like buying weed and he's like, dude, are you going to feed your python? Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah, dude. And then the python bites him in the face. Ow, dude. Because <laughs> uh, he really Get does have it. two modes. He has badass motherfucker will kick the shit out of you and murder you and then idiot and i mean that was so much love <laughs> like well it's like I, we were talking about he was raised in a cult so he's not socialized and he's mm. just all he knows is like fighting with his bros you know yeah yeah oh we'll, we're about to talk about the cult a lot next year <laughs> oh yeah there's some cult cult stuff coming up do you have anything else, Meg? Nope. Think that's it for me, Chris. I'm ready to get into the cult culty part of the show. All right. Give me one second. Um, the kitty food dispenser is blocked. I just need to go jimmy my finger up into it. So give me right. one <laughs> second. So I'll be right back. I'm that's guys. funny that my my housemate does cat sitting, and we went to check on some cats down the street, and they had the auto mm. auto feeder. And and their parents also had cameras that they watched them. And one of the cats, one of the cats would come out. I befriended befriended her, and she would come out, and I could pet her when she came. The other one would just peek out from the basement, and uh, had half a half a uh, shopping like a plastic shopping bag <laughs> wrapped around its torso from oh, no. that it got stuck in. 
No, <laughs> Let I see it blinking across the room. <laughs> and the cat was looking at me like, my food didn't come out. <laughs> oh, no. Can you come like, make it come out, human? And I was like, all right, I got you. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Act two. I'm ready. Let's do it. So, Bo-Katan and her merry band of mandos come out of the sky like freaking... Oh, I need a bird. Uh, hawk? <laughs> no, she's an owl. She's an owl. Her, her helmet's an owl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got the owl. The owl house. That's a, that's a Disney show. Owl house is a Disney show. And they beat the crap out of the Quarrens. Like, it's, it's not even a fight. <laughs> it is a slaughter. And then uh, they, they, like, open the door. And Bo-Katan's like, give me your hand. And... Den's like, thank you, I'm covered in metal. This was a horrible idea. And he, and she pulls him out and he's like, my son, please save my baby. Save my baby, kind stranger. And Sasha Banks is like, I got it. And she jumps into the water. And there's some like underwater pew pew pews. And like the tentacle monster is just like, ow, my spleen. You're so mean. And he like throws up Grogu. And then they come out and they can Grogu to Den. And we must take a moment because it is very much the meme star of episode one. Because when that gift came out in the trailer of Grogu clothing the pram, that meme was everywhere on Twitter. And let's take a moment of silence for the pram because it is now destroyed. Rest in peace, dear pram. You've been great since season one. Chris, put in some like dramatic music right here, please. Thank you. Um, Sad pram music. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. It's, we'll, we'll always remember your dear sacrifice, dear Pram. And so, once everyone's okay, <laughs> Pram. once they make sure like the puppet is fine. And oh, by the way, Grogu is not wet, so he came out no. pretty okay. <laughs> I, I guess that Pram is waterproof, so I guess Khalil could have been in the Pram business if he wasn't killed off in season one. Um. So, like, Den is like, thank you for saving my son. This is my foundling. I've been tasked to take, to, to find other Mandos to take us to the Jedi. And as he's giving a spiel, Bo-Katan and the Mandos take off their helmets. And Den is just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? You're not real Mandos. Where the hell did you get that armor, woman? And she's like, first of all, don't call me woman. I was the leader of Mandalore. I'm both fucking Katan. Do you know me? And Den's like, does it look like I watched Clone Wars? I was raised in a cult, honey. <laughs> and, and sorry, I made myself laugh. <laughs> and and Bo-Katan's like, oh, you're one of those Mandos, aren't you? Yikes. And Den's like, oh, what do you mean? What what Mandos? And they're like, yeah, there's a thing called. Oh my god, I didn't write it down. Uh, the child of the watch. I didn't write it down. Child of the Watch, is that uh, what it's called? Uh, yes. We're just gonna run with that. You're a child of the Watch. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, I think Honey. it's cool if you call him Watch Child. Because it's based off a of Death Watch, because they, they were the mm-hmm. founders. So, something like that. We're just gonna go with that one. I know, I have a feeling Charles will send us a nice message being like, it's actually this. Thank you, Charles. I love you. Um, they're like, yeah, you were raised in a cult, dude. And he was like, no, it wasn't. Your mom was raised in a cult. And Bo-Katan's like, my mom is awesome. 
and she is a full-blooded Mando, which is where I got my armor. Where'd you get yours? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Come on, son. These Mandos are mean. And Grogu's like, Daddy, why are you crying? He's like, I'm not crying. You can't see my face. I'm wearing a helmet because we're real Mandalorians. Don't take their helmets off. And then flies away in a huff. So because Dem loves walking through, like, alleyways at night for reasons, I guess, um, a bunch of other Korans come out, and the Korans are like, Hey, you killed our brother! And Den's like, Oh, yeah, they got killed because... Hold on, let me check my notes. They tried to kill me and my son. So, self-defense, bro. And they're like, well, we're stereotypical bad guys, and we're gonna beat you up. And Den's like, okay. But it's okay, because Bo-Katan is back! And then they kill all the Korans, too. And so, I just guess there's nobody working at this dock anymore. And the town goes into disarray, because they have no more workers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and that's the end of the water world. It dies. <laughs> um, and Bo-Katan is like, Hey, I think we got off on a bad start. What if we buy you a drink? And Den's like, okay, but I need a really long sippy straw. Do you know what it's like to try to drink under this helmet? It's really hard. And she's like, all right, we'll get you a sippy straw. Come on, bro. And so they go to an inn. And bo is like, so here's the deal. This planet has a lot of black market shit. And we want to get some really big guns. Because we're going to liberate Mandalore, and we need your help. And Din's like, Mandalore? That place is cursed. And she's like, no, it's not. It's fine. And she, he's like, I don't know about that. I've heard some really bad stories. And she's like, I fucking live there, bitch. It's fine. He's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but why do you need me? And they're like, well, I lost my spot. Where am I? There it is. She's like, well, I heard that you need to find a Jedi. And he's like, yes, I literally told you that to your face. And she's like, cool, because I know a Jedi. And she's like, really cool. We hung out in season seven of Clone Wars. And Den's like, I still don't know what this Clone Wars thing is. I really don't. You're going to have to to help me out with that. She's like, it's a really good show. It's seven seasons. You should watch it. It's really awesome. Go, go watch it. And then watch Star Wars Rebels. And also Resistance. Resistance is really underrated. And Den's like, you're saying words I don't understand. Um, and she's like, it doesn't matter. If you help me get these weapons, I will help you find a Jedi. And we're going to go hit up. See that big ship on the horizon? That big old ship over there? That ship has a lot of weapons on it. And we're going to go get the weapons. And he's like, huh, that's a big ass fucking ship. All right, um, I need a babysitter. G- give me like 20 minutes. So he goes and he knocks on the door of the frogman and the frog lady. He's like, hey, I know this is last minute and it's like 1 a.m. and you're doing some very important egg watching right now. Can you watch my son? And she's like, yeah, is he going to eat anything, asshole? And he's like, no, 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 he won't. I promise. I promise you won't anything this time. Don't eat anything, Grogu. And he's like, I won't. Like, see, he, he's the mascot. Everybody loves him. Here's my child. Peace. Um, and it, none of that matters because the frog people are having babies. The little baby comes down. They are having babies. And Greg is like, that's a tasty looking baby. <laughs> and frog lady smacks him in the face. It's fine. All right. Anyway, end of back two. <laughs> we have fun here. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly it's over. Ooh, ooh. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Meg, 
What are some of your thoughts of Act Two? I, I love Bo Katan's he didn't kill him, I did moment. Because it's just like it's so her to just be like, you wanna fight? You wanna fight because I wanna fight you back. <laughs> She's like, first of all, don't take my kill count away from me. I have a kill count dating back. What when the Clone Wars come out, like 2009 or something? She's like, don't take my kill count from me. He doesn't need it. <laughs> if Din was um, smart when they went, oh, you killed my brother, he would have just gone, oh, sorry, and just like use his jetpack and just flown off. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Problem solved. Why is he walking through an alleyway anyway? Just go to an inn. <laughs> what is he doing? Where is he going? What's he thinking about? I don't know. Nothing. The answer is nothing. He's a himbo. He doesn't think about things. <laughs> yeah, right. Basically, his brain is going. Um. Yeah. I. I remember. Um. Back to me watching this episode for the first time. Um. You know, as soon as they rescued Grogu. I had a moment, I was like, they're going to take their helmets off and he's going to lose his mind. And that's exactly what happened. Um, which is really interesting because it's the first time we realize, like, oh, like, there are two sides to the story of what happened to Mandalore and what's supposed to be happening with it now. Which, again, back to the everything being complex and complicated. I love it. Um, well, that, was, that was a big part of the lead up, too, because a lot of the yeah. questions of season one is, why can't he take off his helmet? We've seen right. bo and Sabine take right. off their right. helmets. So, like, why can't Den? So yeah. that was, like, a major question. And I like that scene, too, is because they kind of set it up with Cobb Vanth, because he has yeah. the moment where he takes off the helmet. And he's like, oh, you're not a real Mandalorian in Cobb Vanth. It's like, nope, but I'll be your boyfriend. <laughs> Lucky yes, they're not like other religious cults where they can't like shave either and they can't take the helmet off because that would be terrible. Mm. So like, yeah, it was really interesting to finally get the answer to that. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you're because you're kind of like, well, like. Is it is it like because we know when this takes place, so it's like, OK, so we've seen Mandalorians before before this take their helmets off. So what's the deal? Um but to know that, like, he's behaving a certain way and it's not his fault. Like, this is just how he was raised and he didn't ask for that. It's just, like, it makes you love him so much more and kind of makes you maybe a little bit sympathetic to the fact that he just has no idea what's going on. So, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause, like, you're you're the Mandalorian lover. What uh -huh. were your thoughts with the reveal that Din was essentially raised in a cult and the other Mandalorians are like, oh, you're one of those guys. Well, immediately I was like, okay, so when are we getting this story? <laughs> because, like, you know, we we get, like, oh, it things split off, and now there's this this cultish thing that's happening that's not, you know, they want to go back to the whatever they think are the traditional way of doing things, and that's not how everyone does things. Um, we, we haven't got, like, we've gotten a little bit more of that story since then, at least from a, a certain point of view, if you will. Um, but, like, immediately I was like, okay, so I would like this story, please. Because right now, there's a gap in Bo-Katan's story, particularly, where we know that she was ruling Mandalore again for a time. And then at some point, that didn't happen anymore. And, um, you know, the Empire took over and terrible things happened to Mandalore. And um, we know things, but we don't know things. And so instantly for me, it's always like, okay, so I want that story and I want that story and I want that story. 
So what's really interesting to me is we know from season one that Din was rescued by members of Death Watch, which mm-hmm. was a group that Bo-Katan was originally a part of. Yeah. And they there is, they split in Clone Wars, and that group became the Maldalorians, the ones that served under Maul. Mm-hmm. So I just find it really fascinating that this group that was villains for so long, um, and they served under Maul, they fought Bo-Katan, they're the ones that raised our hero. And so, like, when we see them now, um, back in season one, when, like, the Covenant and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, it's just really fascinating to me that that's where our, he- our, our hero came from a group of one-time villains. Mm-hmm. And it kind of changes the narrative about them. But it's also a very Bo-Katan story because I, I find her as being, like, one of the ultimate gray characters of Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. right. she's not a villain. She's not a hero. But she walks this line, and Death Watch, which started as villains with a group that she was a part of, went on to like produce the hero for this show. But it's mm-hmm. also stunted Den in a lot of ways, and I just I just find that all really fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you know, back to like Bo-Katan in the past, like being involved with things that she may not have wanted to. Like for Bo-Katan, it's very much like she has a certain goal, and like. In moments, whatever she has to do to get closer to that, she will do it, which is what makes her such an interesting character because um, that's, for some people, quite relatable. And, um, you know, it adds to something that Star Wars has been doing so much more of uh, more recently in terms of all Star Wars history, which is, you know, you have the good guys and you have the quote-unquote bad guys, but then you have people who are neither of those things who just want certain things for themselves or for their family or for their people or their future and like the they might do things they're not proud of but they have their reasons for doing that and Bogotan is like a great example of that um but yeah it really is interesting that din is a product of something that originally was so terrible and maybe over time because of the war because of other things they just became this offshoot of something that um, they had their beliefs in, um, it just became literally the way. <laughs> About the way, because it's also interesting that Bo-Katan knows what that is, and she knows mm. when to invoke it, because yeah. she uses it almost as a power play over Jim's head in Act 3, when he's like, you're changing the terms, and she's like, this is the way, and mm-hmm. it forces him into action, and I almost wonder if this was something in her that her and Pre Vizsla from Clone Wars had mm. talked about. Like, you know, if something happened, like this is like our backup plan of like how to save Mandalore. But then, of course, she broke mm. away after his death. So I, I do wonder if she had some knowledge about this found like this formation, or maybe had a hand in it. Mm. Yeah, she either had some kind of involvement in like forming you know, that that became something later. Or she just knows somehow, like, what Death Watch had become. Like, if she was, you know, ruling Mandalore for however long it was, it wasn't very long, um, you know, after Rebels. Um, But if she was, quote-unquote, in charge, was she aware of other things that might have been going on? Um, Yeah, I don't know. And that's, like, again... you don't have to know all the details in star wars like sometimes it's good to have mysteries but also like tell me everything please (laughs) yeah 
Chris, do you have any thoughts about anything we're talking about? Um, uh, I love her. There's the 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 point where she says, you know, basically, you know, it's not like that. And he's like, "What do you mean? It, that that's the only way it is to be." A, and she just makes. She's like, you're in a cult. And and he's like, well, what do you mean? But this is the only way you can do things. And she just makes this face that says, yep, cult. <laughs> it's just a great little piece of acting where she's just like, yep, you don't know what you're, <laughs> you are in another world. And then and then I think in act three, she uses this as a way. Is, it, it, it's almost like a punch in the face to him. You can tell he's just like, what? what? It's making him think about, it's making him question his reality. And she did it very purposely. And that, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, my only other note is uh, the scene with Baby Yoda. And when, when the little tadpole came out, I was just like, all I could hear is... Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, someone got fertilized last night. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't waste any time. Oh no. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share that thought. I had a thought about the how and why that happened, and I'm not gonna share it. We no. might be yeah, classy. No, yeah, I've seen enough nature documentaries to 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 get the idea of how that would have had to happen, and I don't need to see it and I don't wanna yeah. see it. Yeah. No, I'm not no. trying to see it in my imagination. Nothing but, oh, yeah. So something, when you were talking about, like, um, Bogotan essentially punched him in the face with the way, um, I something we've talked about so far this season is how every cameo has somehow affected Dan in some way in his character journey. Mm-hmm. So, like, Cop Vanth, like, was wearing the Mando armor, but he wasn't a Mandalorian, but he exhibited the traits of, like, what a true Mandalorian would act like, and he earned Den's mm. trust. Frog Lady challenged his honor, because she was like, if you're gonna just give up, you're not a real Mando. Like, you're not the Mandos I heard about in stories. And, like, she challenged mm. him to, like, rise up to what it means to be a real Mandalorian. And now Din is face-to-face with three Mandos that are very different from where he was raised. And I love this slow progression of getting his honor challenge, seeing someone who's not a Mando, and now seeing Mandos. And they're not what he imagined. And They're cooler than his Mando friends that he's been hanging out with, uh, to be honest with you. I don't know. The armor is pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying they're they're oh yeah she is pretty cool yeah but she's not cool to hang out with these guys would be these guys you could go to a bar and have a drink with her not the armorer she's not doing something like that she's paying penance or something you know in her spare time but that that's definitely something i like this like i i give the cameos a lot of shit because i do and that's part of the reason why i'm really interested about rewatching season two because mm-hmm. there is a part of me that when I watched it the first time through, I felt like the cameos took away from Denton's story. So watching it the second time through, it's been really fascinating watching how every cameo from Cobb Vant to Frog Lady and Albo Catan is actually challenging him as a character and prompting his character development for him to be who he is in Book of Boba Fett. Mm. I, I think that it's also a factor of like, when you're seeing it for the first time and you see... um. You know, you see that character that you recognize, 
you're very focused on that and you're like, oh, what are they going to do? You know, what callbacks are they going to make? You're so focused on that character that it feels like, oh, they're taking over the whole episode. But like when you watch it again and you know that, you know already the character is going to be there, what they're going to do, what they're going to say. Then you understand as we do now, like, oh, they're here for a very specific reason and it does matter and it is important and it's not taking away from the episode. And I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I it, it, if it's like a walk-on by R2-D2 and C-3PO, you know mm-hmm. they're going to come in and be like, oh my, we're on the same bus or something, you know, and then they go about their business and you know they're not going to in- get incorporated into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Bo-Katan it legitimately is, has, you know, we, we know nothing of her character beyond this point. So, you know, I mean, it really would make sense for her to be intimately involved in Den's story going forward you know we might not see her all the time but like she's going to be a integral part of the story so like they have a a and and you know i mean there, it it didn't have the feel of like here's a character from you know the the from the from rebels you know or or from clone wars you know look here here they are you know and uh and it's just sort of seamlessly fit into the story. And she she's a Mandalorian also, and there's going to be like conflict between them and stuff like. So mm-hmm. it, it's it doesn't feel as much as like a cameo by a known character as some as something that's getting fed into the main storyline that may have been planned from the very beginning. You know, in the long term story. Something that I always wondered about that because of the Star Wars circles I'm in, I, I don't really run into, is I always wondered how this episode would play as someone who hasn't seen Clone Wars or Rebels. Yes. I was just thinking about that. I When I watched this episode again, I wondered like for if someone had not seen any other thing with Bo-Katan in it, seeing her for the first time, like what would they think? Like her portrayal in this episode, like who do you think she is or what she really stands for? Do you trust her? Do you understand? I w- there's part of me that wishes I could have that perspective. And I yeah. I don't. And they're, the- and they're writing it for that experience, too, because yeah. really we're seeing it through Den's eyes. And, and, exactly. and so we'll learn about we'll learn all we need to know about her through him as as the story goes on. But yeah, yeah. It's especially a perspective with, that none of us could ever have. Especially with <laughs> ever, the title. Because the title is The Heiress. It's about mm-hmm. Bo-Katan. Like, that is her title. Right. But at no point do they ever talk about that. Like, she she never says, like, oh, I was the ruler of Mandalore. The reason right. I want the Darksaber is because it means I can rule again. Like, they don't talk about that. So I always wondered if there was a disconnect between the title and her and the story. I just had a million dollar business idea. We learned to do hypnotism and then and then we hypnotize people to to where they've never seen Star Wars before and then we show them Star Wars so they can relive it over and over again. <laughs> I would give anything to watch Twilight of the Apprentice for the first time all over again. It wouldn't be wouldn't, yes, wouldn't, that wouldn't be playing with fire at all. But like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we could do real specific ones like, you know, you have no idea who Bo-Katan is as a character. And then you could watch this Mando and then we could have you on the show and be like, well, what did you think of the show? And, be, and then like, mm-hmm. we'll snap our fingers at the end and then you'll remember everything. Meg, what Star Wars would you love to watch again for the first time? 
Oh, oh um, I gotta say, Trials of the Dark Saber. Like, oh. I can't be sitting here, and because for those who don't know, it's just literally been a life changing piece of Star Wars for me. Um, to watch that because I, I'm not gonna go down this whole thing right now, but uh, watching that episode for the first time, I knew that it was something different and unique and special, even having been watching way more Rebels than any person should in a short amount of time. Um, so yeah, it's got to be that. I would give anything to know nothing about that episode and then watch it again. What about you, Chris? Oh, Star Wars, for sure. Just the first one? Either Star Wars or Empire, yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. both of them were... Star Wars was mind-blowing, but Empire was also you know precluded by like a lot of anticipation and also having no idea what Mm -hmm. was going to go on in it so both of those were like just incredibly formative movie experiences so either one of those i mean yeah to capture like seeing star wars for the first time like there's there's like that and like et or raiders of the lost ark something like that would Mm be all lucas or spielberg movies (laughs) Listeners, leave us a comment. Uh, if you could watch a piece of Star Wars again for the first time, what would it be? I, I would love to hear it. You, you caught me. I was running away from the the uh, mic because I was trying to find somewhere. I think I've. I I think I I, I don't know if you have have heard of them or gotten them, but Meg. But there's uh, and I'm pretty sure Trials of the Dark is in one of them. But uh, they they did um. Disney put out Sinistory comics mm, that yeah. are basically sort of photo novels of a lot of the Rebels episodes. And I believe there's one with like the whole all the Mandalorian stories in it. Oh, and they're yeah, gorgeous. I gotta get my hands on those. Oh. Yeah, they're 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 not expensive and they're all over eBay, just just so you know. Oh. Noted. I'm, I'm totally not gonna I've, spend money I'm look, after I, I was looking for it, I and all I could find was my Darth. The one with all the Darth Maul stories in it. So, Meg. Bo-Katan says that she is the last of her line. Uh, where's oh. Corky? What happened to him? Where is he? Where was he? Who Like, you, you can't just... Why do they do that? Like that line was put there specifically for a very specific segment of this fandom, and it's not funny, and I'm not okay with it. So, listeners, if a reminder, if if you've never watched a Clone Wars ever, um, if you're like Dinjar and you've never seen Clone Wars, um, Quirky Kenobi, not <laughs> he's not a Kenobi. My bad. Um, Quirky was Satine's nephew. And Satine is Bo-Katan's sister. Um, The weird thing about this is, at no point is there ever a mention of another sibling. Corky is apparently not Satine or Bo-Katan's son. Um, So apparently they either A, have another sibling we don't know about, or B, one of them is lying. Which is why it's a very prominent theory that Corky is actually the secret son of Obi-Wan and Satine. And a lot of people think that Corky is actually a Kenobi. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of scared for Corky because we, it was it, 
is it it's Book of Boba Fett that we see the destruction of Mandalore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really hope he's not dead. I'm very scared for him. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, did did anyone like escape and like create new identities for themselves? And that's why she thinks he's not alive. Like, maybe again, more more stories that we haven't gotten that we need. But like, it's not fair. Like, you can't do. She says that line so quickly and then just keeps going. And I'm like, no, excuse me, stop talking for a second. Please go back and explain what you mean. Because if Corky's not okay, then I'm not okay. Yeah, because there's there's also the line where they're talking in the end where Din says that Mandalore is cursed and Bo-Katan's like, nah, it's not. And we're going to retake the planet. But we saw... Um, the destruction of Mandalore in Book of Boba Fett. But then I remembered it's the armorer telling that story. And the armorer mm. is an unreliable narrator. So mm. is do we think that it's actually destroyed and cursed? Or do we actually think it's okay? <laughs> mm. I mean, how much do we trust the armorer on that? Oh, I don't at all. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm I think that maybe the capital city was destroyed, but yeah. Mandalore is a whole planet, and we also know that like Concordon is a thing. So like, and there's also right. a whole other society on the moon because that's where Pre Vizsla lived. Um, right. So I, it, yeah, so it's hard to say. I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not Mandalore is actually destroyed, and I want to make sure that Quirky is okay. <laughs> You know, now, because one that is one of the many great things we got out of Book of Boba Fett, and we have that side of that part of the story, and I'm really hoping that at some point in The Mandalorian, if not this upcoming season, then the next one, we get Bo-Katan's side, and we hear, like, her view of what happened. Again, even if it's not exactly what happened, like, I want to know how it's different from what the armor actually said, because... We got that story for a very specific reason, and it's to remind us that, like, the armor is is telling a very specific tale for a very specific reason. And not everything happened exactly the way that she said. And um, it just makes me desperate for more Bo-Katan, even more than I already was. So. I might yeah, be cults remembering. Cults are, are notorious about, like, not portray- port- or portraying the future... Or portraying reality to their own ends yeah. and needs. So yeah. Yeah. I might be, I think there should be a fandom called Corky Watch. I'm sure <laughs> I do know people who are Corky Kenobi people who are just like, where is Corky? <laughs> like is that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I know it's a thing. Um but yeah, I, I might be because it's been a hot minute since I've seen Book of Fett and I only watched it once. Um, isn't she telling Dim the history because she found out he took off his helmet or did he, did she find out that he took off his helmet afterwards? I don't remember. Um, I think she was telling him this as she was, as they were going through that whole scene. So I don't think, I don't think she knew about the helmet yet, but I do think it was like at the point where she was like, yeah, you're going to stay with us, right? And stay on our side, right? Um, I'm pretty not, sure that's how it happened. Because then that like takes the notion of like, there's nothing else for you there but us. We are all you got. 
And yeah. which is why it's so challenging because Den can then point back to this episode and be like, no, I've met other Mandos. Like, it's not just you. I am, I want that, like that, that time where he's just like, Hey, you've lied to me a lot. <laughs> I it, can't it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's an eventuality yeah. in any kind, you know, you can't, that's why cults keep people isolated. You know, you can't yeah. expose them to anything else or else they see other, they see that things aren't the way that they were told that they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else for Act 2. Chris, did you have anything else? No. Meg, let's wrap you... Tentacle Monster up. Well, let's see if Meg is ready to wrap the Tentacle Monster up. Maybe she's not. Maybe she just wants the Tentacle Monster to run around Maybe. on the boat. I, I need I need the Tentacle Monster to confirm that Corky, Kreez, slash possibly Kenobi is all right. Um, Other than that. I, I'm good. We can go. We can go <laughs> forward. Hear that, Lucasfilm? That <laughs> hey, you never know. Need quirky closure. We do. We do. Quirky closure. We need it. All right. So act three. Yep. Act three. It is time to start the mission, and all the Mandos are like, "There's the ship. Let's go!" So we got jetpacks. And they all zoom through the air. And all the stormtroopers are like, wow, it's a lovely day outside. I sure would hate if someone attacked us right now. Oh, God! And then they all get attacked. And the Mandos bust their way in there like they own a place. Except for Den. Sweet Den. Like, Bo-Katan and Casca and Axe all have this, like, really cool, like, weird cool guys walk. And, like, Den just kind of fumbles his way in. Just like, ah! It's like bumbling around in the background, and he gets a gold star for trying. He he tried. Um, and these four, it's like not even a fight. They lay waste to the stormtroopers. And meanwhile, the last guy, I think he was like called like the man in black and on Lost. I don't know. I stopped watching Lost after like season three. It got weird. Anyway, Lost guy is like, oh shit, they're Mandos. Uh, I, we might well, fly faster. Come on, young people, fly the ship that must fly faster, must fly faster. And our heroes are like punching and kicking and like pew pewing all their way and like throwing smoke bombs and they're all cool about it. And Den's like, I'm here too. Um, and so they get to the cargo bay where the smartest Imperial ever. Like, is like, we gotta hold them off, guys. And the moment he sees that they're Mandos, this smart Imperial is just like, close all the doors. <laughs> Do it. We are not fighting them today. Nope. This is a hard nope, everybody. And I'm like, you know what? You are a smart Imperial for like three seconds because then the Mandos are like, oh, we'll just blow you out the door. And they do, because they're smarter. (laughs) And the Imperials go flying. But you know what? Gold star for you, Space Nazi. You won the smartest Imperial of the day award. Um... And so when they when they eventually have like this like little spot like where they have like can take a breather like Bo-Katan like takes out her little calm and she's just like, hey, guy from Lost, you know I never actually got to your season, so I don't know if you were really good in that show, but I just wanted to let you know that these are a lot of really pretty weapons and we're gonna take you back to our homeworld. And the guy from Lost is like, I'll tell you what, 
I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're gonna die, bitch. And he's like, ha ha ha, you should have finished last, asshole. She's like, well, put on some tea, because we're coming up there to get you. And Den's like, what? What do you mean we're gonna go get them? We, we, the weapons, they're right, they're right here. Uh, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, we're taking the entire ship. Um, and he's like, uh, no, no, this is not part of the agreement. Um, even though my agreements change on me every single episode, like every episode, someone's like, I'm going to do the thing. And then they don't. So I should actually be used to this by now. And it doesn't matter if they take the ship or not to him, really. He doesn't have to go with them. Yeah, actually he does because she won't tell him where the Jedi is. He Uh, does have to go with her. Um, and she's like, well, I guess you need, want to know who was in Clone Wars. Should have watched the show, asshole. Let's go. Um, so they get up to the front. And the whole time they're walking, like, Den's like, really? Like, what's going on? Like, why are we taking the ship? And she's like, look, I have to find this guy. His name is Moff Gideon. And he's like, oh, he, that guy's an asshole. He, sh- he blew me up in season one. He, she's like, yeah, I know. It's Juan Carlo Esposito. He's awesome. Like, he's amazing in Better Call Saul. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. We watched one thing in the cults, and it was Better Call Saul. It was awesome. Um, and Bogotan is like, if I'm going to rule Mandalore, I need a very shiny, very important weapon from Clone Wars and Rebel- Rebels. And it goes, wah, 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 and these dudes know where it is. So, so we gotta, we just gotta, you know, go with this. Because, like, my name's in the title. I'm the heiress. So you gotta listen to me. <gasps> Let's go! And she pulls the hold, this is the way, and he's like, oh, I hate when people do that to me. So, the Imperial Captain, Lost Guy, is like, hey, one Carlos, because, you know, everybody loves your show. And he's like, ah, oh, thanks, everybody. Why are you calling me? And Lost Guy is like, we really need some backup. Are you coming? And Gideon's like, ha, lol, nope, bye, bitch. And long live the Empire. And Lost Guy's like, oh, all right, I got it. And then he shoots the really young pilots who look scared the entire time because they probably got roped into this mess. And it's kind I have notes about that. And the captain takes over the ship and tries to crash it. Meg will understand this. This scene is very Lost Stars. It's very Lost Stars of mm. them. Yes, it is. And the Mandos have to, like, can't get to the bridge because there's a shit ton of stormtroopers in their way. So it's time for Din himbo jarin to do what he does best he runs them (laughs) like like a crazy person getting shot at stumbling through the hallway and he trips and he happens to throw some bombs at the people (laughs) because that's din jarin and that's all he's got is sheer dumb luck and they take others the store troopers and they get on the bridge and while Den and Sasha Banks are saving the ship, Bogtan is like, Hey, lost guy, you should have watched Battlestar Galactica. Where's the Darksaber? And where, and does he have it? He being Cough Cough Moth Gideon, does he have it? And the captain's like, Battlestar Galactica sucked. I did watch it, and it was horrible. And he kills himself, and she's like, No! <laughs> Damn it! Um... And so, long story short, uh, they gotta get out of there before more Imperials come. And they save the ship, and everything's great. And Den's like, alright, well, if you guys are gonna take the ship, I'm gonna boogie and go pick up my son. And Bo-Katan's like, tell you what, 
I'm going to keep my promise because you helped me out. You're going to go to a place called, I wrote it down, what is it? A place called Corvus, and you're going to find Ahsoka freaking Tano. Now she's going to look a little different. She's in live action, and we don't like this actress. So you're just going to have to deal with it because she's kind of shitty, and everyone misses Ashley Eckstein. But you're just going to have to be okay with it, okay, Den? And Den's like, you're not really setting up this episode very nicely for me, but okay, let's go. And Den bounces, and nobody cares. Because when he gets back, I poked tan and there people leave and it's great. And then Meg was like, yay, bye, poked tan. Um, <laughs> Din gets back and he opens the door and there's a frog baby. The frog lady and the frog man had a baby. And it's just the cutest, derpiest little puppet that's just kind of rolling around in a bowl of water. <laughs> and they're like, that's great and baby yoda's like dad i've seen the birth of life i understand <laughs> i understand now and he's like great sound bye frog lady you're like a fan favorite character and you're gonna get yourself a funko pop soon have a good day he takes the sun and they go and they get back to the razor crest which is literally put together with nets and duct tape and i love it <laughs> it's the best and they fly out there and grogu eats a squid the end <laughs> I just want everybody to know my I have a, a little note and it's just all caps that says Frog Baby <laughs> That's the note. <laughs> <laughs> I love how fake the puppet is though. It's just like a frog like a little thing rolling around in a bowl. <laughs> yeah. That is the quickest that thing went from tadpole to frog baby to a little roly like overblown pea in like the incredible amount of time. I mean how how long was Mando off on, on that mission, you know? It, the better part of a day, maybe. It's like yeah. <laughs> well Chris, it's like hyperspace. It goes at the speed of plot. I guess so. <laughs> It's I mean, true, I, I don't question anything biological in Star Wars because I don't know. I'm not a space doctor. You know, I'm not a space biologist. I, I'm not I, a space doctor, Jim. <laughs> oh, man, really crossing the streams now. So, Meg, what are some of your thoughts about Act 3? I I really um, just... One of my favorite gifts is... <laughs> Um, them walking down the hallway and the three, man, three Mandalorians in the front are just like, hey, and Dindara just comes behind and he's just trying his best and he just can't keep up. And it's my favorite thing because he just, throughout this whole, especially this last third of the episode, he just, he's just winging it. He has no idea. I, it's supposed to be such a serious scene. But it makes me laugh every time when Din just goes running down the hallway getting shot at. That's like their main that's like their main tactic. I guess that's all you really have inside a thing like this. But it's almost it's almost humorous because it's just like a I, I love it. It's a series of they have Beskar. So it's just a series of doors opening and they come striding in and just like <laughs> creaming everybody and just like mm. walking into it just like yeah whatever for one it's stormtroopers so they're not even gonna they're probably not even gonna hit our best car yep. and and it's just it's it's it in real life if you were there and you're a stormtrooper it would be insanely intimidating 
but it's mm. it's more fun and goofy uh, uh, watching it. But that's it. why I love that scene where like yeah, the Imperial officer great. is like, "Oh, they're Mandos, close the door." Because <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, the 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 writing, acting, and directing of the Imperials on that ship is so classic Star Wars. They are per- mm. pitch perfect. Yeah, they're all little characters. You just get just enough. You get just enough of what the dynamic is between all of them. So all of their reactions are wonderful. It's it's perfect. It's 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 almost like fan service, but it's just sort of like fan servicing a a, a pitch, <laughs> a, a certain you know just feel mm-hmm. for for imperial captains and officers, and it's it's perfect and like. The old guy when when uh, when he gets off the off the phone, you know, with uh, with uh, Gus Spring, he's just like, well, the the funny the funny answer is he's just like, oh, I'm an old imperial. My prostate's giving me a lot of trouble, and it's all messed up. If I get long live the empire, go out in a blaze of glory. But like the reality is he's just he's one of palpatine's like cultists because the two young guys are like i want to live and he's just like yeah (laughs) leave this up to an old cult member i'm ride or die we're going down now you know that's that's my one big note of this act so i might as well go ahead and just do it now since we're here mm -hmm. um so what i find really fascinating about that scene where the lost guy kills the two young guys it says a lot about where the Empire is at this time. And it's kind of remind makes me wonder if we're seeing the early transition into the First Order. Because we know from supporting materials like the books and the comic, every anyone sensible has already left the Empire at this mm-hmm. point. Like it is what's all that's left is like the fanatics and the zealots. And I I would even say it's a little bit debatable whether or not Gideon is part of the plan to make the first order, but like that's an argument for another day. But it show it's, it's a terrifying place to be where the only people left in the empire are zealots and fanatics because they, their only thing is to keep information from falling into the wrong hands. And that is dangerous because they will take out everybody to keep their secret. And like, Mm -hmm. It's almost, you know, they're still little space Nazis, but it makes me wonder if the two young guys are even space Nazis. Like, maybe their, like, uncle was just like, hey, you need a job as a pilot? Put on the suit. Mm. Like, it, is, yeah. it almost makes them sympathetic because they are so scared from start to finish, and they're clearly very green. But I just find this really fascinating to see the state of the Empire going, okay, how close are we to the First Order at this time? Because... These aren't your normal classy dumbass Imperials that we know from like Rebels. These are like the crazy people that's left over. That evolve into the like First Order psychos. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're almost yeah. like the proto versions of that guy in in that last Disney movie that we shall not name. Oh trust that was <laughs> yeah, that was kind of that was kind of like, uh, you know, he was kind of like an old timer. You know, I've been with Palpatine since the I was a wee lad. Nash Windrider the whole time. Nash Windrider. Oh man, if that old guy in trust, he should have been Nash Windrider. That would have been a great story. Um, 
but that, that's just, anybody else have notes about that? At least the Imperials and where we are in the First Order and shit. As I shove a cheese in my mouth. No. I'm hungry. I don't. Do you have any thoughts about the Imperials? Mm. Yeah, I really, I really like how the Empire is trying, or whoever's left is trying so hard to almost like play Empire. Like they're trying so hard to be what they think the Empire yeah. has always been. Oh, interesting. Knowing huh? that it's just like all falling apart around them, while also some of them are trying to look ahead and meaning like, okay. We have this other plan, so we're just trying to maintain, you know, business as usual for now. And for all of these Imperials on the ship, that's not happening today. They didn't see that coming, but hey, um, no, it's really interesting. And I want more stories in this era because we haven't gotten, we've gotten plenty of, uh, you know, like the fall of the Empire and uh, what remained, what happened after that. But like more formation of the First Order stories would be yeah. excellent. It's almost. It seems like almost the, the 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 formation of the first order. No, none of the stuff against the first order be, is is as fascinating as like how the first order rises from the the yeah. ashes of the the empire and like mm-hmm. and Palpatine's gross clone plot also is yeah. like very interesting and has lots of potential for seeing how that evolves. And would probably explain a lot about the sequel trilogy too, you know. And I'd love to, I'd love to see something that makes Snoke either, if he if he is a if he's a character, or if he's we don't know if he's just like maybe a puppet, you know, of Palpatine, you know, just a clone puppet that Palpatine could. But it would be great to see how you know what was up with that, and if he was a real person, how he got to from where that was to there when it came out of the tank or or maybe the what the the guy that they got the genetics from to put in the tank in the first place it's there's all sorts mm. of st- fertile ground in there and it's all stuff that like kind of is needed to make the sequel trilogy make sense so like and, and and like just me saying that somewhere Dave Filoni should be like getting a little shiver down his back because that's like his thing sort of one of his big things is, you know, adding adding resonance to stuff that already exists and filling in stuff that mm-hmm. really enhances stuff that we've seen before. So, yeah, um, Meg, what were some of your thoughts of Act Three? Um, I love how Bo-Katan was like, no, actually, we're going to do this. And knowing that um, Din couldn't say no because she had the information that he needed, <laughs> um, which is so mean of her, but like also so her. classic Bo-Katan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because again, she has she has her eye on, you know, what she wants and what her mission is. And like, um, she's going to do whatever she asks you to get that. And she's like, well, I need your help because, um, you know, we, we can't, the three of us do this by ourselves. Um, but also like, um, got to keep you here and it works. Um, but I do like that. She, she kept to her word and, um, gave him the information needed and like hearing Sokotano spoken out loud in live action for the first time. 
Ooh. fantastic. Um, because then you're like, oh, oh my god, that's <laughs> possible getting us now. Over. Yeah, yeah. I I remember I, screaming hearing that. Like I was just like, oh, they're doing it because there was all, yeah. of course there was rumors. There was rumors of Katie yeah. Sackoff. There was rumors of Ahsoka coming, but to actually like hear it confirmed on screen, yeah. like oh yeah, we're doing this. It just and it, and then of course there was a whole fallout with Rosario and stuff. And I have a lot of feelings about that that we'll talk about when we get to the Ahsoka episode. Um, but, uh, it's definitely just one of those moments where it felt like this is real, but you're right though. Like Bo-Katan holding that information is the most Bo-Katan thing she did. Like that to me was like, this is her character in a nutshell, this scene. Well, if we're in another, like, uh, you know, another parallel universe where it wasn't the Mandalorian, but the show was centered around Bo-Katan and her story. We wouldn't for and 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 there was a story where you know where Din shows up, and she's manipulating it. This weird like, kind of doofy religious fanatic Mandalorian shows up. We wouldn't question her motivations or the ethics of anything she did in this episode. You know what I mean? We we would have been like if she was a protagonist. So yeah, it makes yeah, it makes total sense what <laughs> she just- did. I just imagine like her, Casca, and like X just standing off in the corner, and like Den's just walking into the port, and they're like, "Oh, he looks like an idiot. Let's use him. <laughs> Let's get that guy." Yeah, yeah. It's like three. It's like three high school kids from like a big city, you know, and some Amish dude walks in, you know, and they're just like, "Oh, let's take let's take him out on the town." Yeah. <laughs> Um, Let's get him to take his hat off. He won't take his hat off. Now I want a high school AU of like Bogotan just being like, guys, I'm the prom queen. Give me my dark saber hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, me. could you see a, a dark saber themed prom, you know, with like a giant like crepe paper dark saber hanging over the stage? I just want to see Katie Sackoff take like an awkward prom photo with like with like acts and just like be like that awkward smile just like hey. oh they, they 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 announce her as prom queen and then they go and prom king is and she's like no no prom king just me <laughs> no stage. well no it is i'll is, dance with myself in the dark saber <laughs> moff gideon is the prom king and he like oh. carries her like just like carries her oh, like just dumps the blood on her and like takes the dark saber and runs oh, away God. Oh God! I was gonna say, don't say Carrie in in the context of a a prom, but you really—I I thought you many picked I her up and carried her. I knew the context I was using. <laughs> no, oh you you. I mean, that's really I should have picked up on on that. You know horror movies. I don't. Yeah, I, I know. I haven't I know. even seen Carrie. I, and I know what it means. I was trying Chris. to figure out how to turn it into Carrie, and you'd already gone there. <laughs> I somewhat know movies. <laughs> <laughs> We have a running joke because I don't watch movies. So usually when mm. Chris is like, have you seen this? And he doesn't even let me an- answer. He just explains the situation because he just assumes I don't watch movies. I we, don't. Have a, we have a whole list of movies that I haven't seen because there are more that I haven't seen than I have. And we're just going one by one. He's like, have you seen Top Gun? Have you seen Mission Impossible? No. It dawned on me because it's the 40th anniversary. I've never watched E.T. in its entirety. Oh wow! No. I have seen that one. I was one. just thinking about 
rewatching E.T. because I saw an old episode of God, Siskel and Ebert, you know, when they had their PBS show, when they reviewed E.T., which I remember seeing as a kid. But I was like, I was doing so I was doing like a Photoshop or something. So I was just listening to it. But then listening to scenes from um, E.T. through an old VHS copy of it you know, reminded me of how Scott Gardner had taped it and we'd memorize the whole movie. So I'm like, it's playing and I know every line to, and I'm thinking mm. I need to watch ET again. It's a mm. masterpiece. And yeah, I haven't maybe, seen it in probably like 20 years. Maybe it should be one of our commentaries this December. Mm-hmm. We, do, we do movie commentaries and we're all out of star Wars movies. So last I'll year do, we did- I'll do annoying sections where I just like go along with that, where I do all the, um um dialogue but i won't do it in like exposition dialogue and just background stuff like the kid who goes you stay here mom we'll check it out (laughs) but did you guys have anything else for act three i don't think so Uh, my only other thing i uh, just a quick two quick surface things great music like the music mm-hmm. for the Mandalorian's been really good, especially for like having. Even though the cartoons have have dipped their toes in doing non John Williamsy sort of music, this this season, like it's been atmospheric before this for the most part. It's been mostly like rhythmic, and it just goes good in the background. But this has some stuff that's like kind of timed with the action and shifts gears and stuff and it was just it it sounds like the composer's really getting his footing and and it just sounded great and uh the shot at the end of the razor crest where it's all fixed up and they're outside of it almost looks like a painting that's been like superimposed on there i had to back it up and look at it and i'm like i wonder if they used a production painting of this just to save time and money or they just thought it looked cool because it does look cool Mm-hmm. I, I didn't note it, but at the end when the Razor Crest is taking off and through the sky and in space, pieces are just falling just, off. Just yeah. random pieces are flying off. And I'm wondering, are the special effects people taking this opportunity to use like their sandal and stuff and like they did in the original Star Wars movies? That's um, part of my golf club flying off the Razor Crest right now. Well, I don't have anything else either. So you guys ready to score up the episode? Yeah. I'm ready. So, Meg, on a scale of 1 to 10, and you're the guest, so if you want to give it a 15, you're allowed. Um, 20, yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate this episode, and why do you rate it that? 10,000. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a 12. I'll give it a 12. You know, it's just, um, it's beautiful. It's, there are so many, like, touching moments. There are so many moments that are are hilarious, even if they don't necessarily mean to be, but also kind of do at the same time. Um, but also Bo-Katan. Anything that Bo-Katan is in, like, automatically just gets at least a 10 for me because um, her character, like, coming into live action from animation and her story continuing is just so important because we, like, we didn't know if we were actually ever going to get that, and we are. And, um, I mean, also, Din's story is important, too, because he realizes now, like, oh, I... 
I don't necessarily know what it means to be a Mandalorian anymore. And that will continue as the show continues and as it will continue further. Um, so everything about this episode, I think, is perfect. I have zero complaints. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll give it a 13. You're allowed. We'll allow it. But mm-hmm. that, that's actually a point that we didn't bring up. Um, Book of Tan being live action opened the door for so much because, like, we, we talked a little bit about Cobb Vanth opening the door for book characters to come into yeah. live action because then we get like that Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. Um, but like, Book Tan, like, kind of follows in the footsteps of Saul Guerrero because Saul Guerrero did it first in Rogue One, but like in a TV series, like, this opens the door for like Ahsoka and Cad Bane. Um, and right. it's just really cool to see that transition. Yeah. Chris, score up the episode for me, bud. I gave it a nine. I really liked it a lot. It's uh, full of incredible set pieces, and once again, they're all—they all have a different feel to it. Um, um, Bo-Katan is not like as established as like Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker, who are coming—you know—coming up in in this, you know, the 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 quote unquote like sort of show stealer type characters but the way that they uh um integrate her into the story put her into the story is just fantastic you know it doesn't have that feel of like okay we have to insert this character here because we know the people from you know who remember from animation are gonna go nuts it was just like okay it's time to put we're, we're gonna have to have if we're doing a story about mandalorians you know, I mean, what else are you going to do? And just the just the combination of getting the voice actress to play the part. And it turns out she's kind of made for the part. She kind of mm-hmm. embodies embodies a part is, you know, because I didn't even th- I, I knew that in my head, but I didn't even think of it the second time around watching this. I was just like, oh, there she is. It's Bo-Katan. And uh, they just did a they they did a really good job of it, and you know they they did a they they did a lot more than I thought the first time. You know, in what seems to just be sort of a a, a an actiony. It's a, there's a lot of action and fighting, you know, and just sort of like oh look here's the Mandalorians in action. But there's there's a lot that gets communicated in half hour. It's really good. I didn't think about that because actually, I think Katie is the only person who's played her character because Andrew Karishna was the first Saw Gerrera. Ashley was, of course, Ahsoka. Um, and Tia and Vanessa are not playing Hera and Sabine in mm. the Ahsoka show. So it is actually, and, and I know that um, I can't, Corey Burton, that's the name. He voices Cad Bane in Book of Boba Fett, but he's not playing Cad Bane. Um, so yeah, it actually is pretty stellar now that I think about it, that Katie is playing Bo-Katan because nobody else is. <laughs> nobody else yeah, is no, it doesn't characters. seem like something they, like, uh, uh, it was probably never like, on her radar that she would be like someday you'll be in a movie just playing Bo-Katan, you know, or at a TV show, basically like a movie. You'd be in Star Wars embodying the part that you're voicing right now, you know, so and, uh, which makes it even more impressive and special that, you know, that she just sort of slipped right into it, you know? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Because voice acting and acting are not the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, I I am the low one here, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I, I think I just, I liked last week's episode a little bit better. Um, and I gave that one a nine. So uh, this week I gave an 8.5 out of 10. It's a great episode. I, I'm sorry. I, I like last week. Don't gasp at me. I heard mine that. Went, my, well, just so I'll take some of the heat too. Mine last week was 9.5. So I went down a half point too. So. Um, and it's nothing. Good episode. It's fantastic. It's awesome to see Bo-Katan back. Um, this episode's a lot stronger on a, on a rewatch, knowing what happens it, towards the end of the season and in Book of Boba. Oh, yeah. it, it really adds a lot. I love seeing Den's paradigm shifting and frog babies and frog lady and frog man. Like they are just precious and I love them. So I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It was awesome. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Because we have a guest this week and we're running a little bit long, we're not going to do any feedback this week, but please keep sending in. We are wrapping up our feedback for Bad Batch. I would love to see it. Um, and we're getting into the new Mando Season 2 stuff. So, Meg, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's so This is so fun, and I haven't gotten to really talk about like Bo-Katan in a minute, so this is great. Oh, I'm so glad that we were able to let you talk about your girl. <laughs> oh, well, of course, you're welcome back anytime you want to come back. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely coming back. Anything Darksaber related, anything Bo-Katan related, anything Mandalorian related, I am here. Ooh, depending on how they do with like, the Ahsoka show with Sabine. Oh, yes, please. We'll see, we'll see. Um, well, if nobody has anything else, Meg, where can people find you? easiest way to find me is sorry on twitter at mcdowell that's just where you'll find uh links to all of my things um you know i have whether you're you want to read something listen to something um look at something i have some photography of books if you want to look at that um it's all there so i am um, I'm, I'm trying not to tweet as much lately um hopefully i stick to that by the time this episode comes out i may have undone that it's fine um but yeah that's where you can find all of my stuff yeah i don't try to stop tweeting i will always tweet <laughs> elon musk could take it from my cold dead hands <laughs> <laughs> chris where can people find you you can find me of course at two true that is our website with all the plethora of of podcasts including this one and that is also if you're interested in just seeing what new episodes are coming out day by day you can join the two true freaks podcast page on facebook and the two true freaks cantina which is more sort of a hangout forum type of group and uh, hope loves it but you guys know my feelings about twitter but you know you gotta have it you gotta have it and if you gotta have it, someone's gotta run it. So we have a Two True Freaks Twitter page, and that is run by Gene Gene. I think, did I call him the ghost in the machine last week? I did. You did. He's back. Gene Gene, the, the reborn from the machine. Gene, it's a thing. He's go back. With Just, it's a whole thing. We sing a song for Gene every it's, week. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just go with it, Meg. Song every week. He gets his own songs. But that's, that's where you can find me. Where are you at, Hope? 
You can find me at jguysandjedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at HopeMullinX on Twitter. I'm also a staff writer over at The Geeky Waffle. Um, And you can check me out on some of the other podcasts. I'm actually about to record tomorrow about our favorite fictional felines in media. Um, over on the Geeky Waffle podcast or on Space Waffles, which is run by my friend Arzu. Or if you want to check out a really cool new show, please check out Bookmark and Busy. It is a fan fiction podcast where Ren, a fan fiction reader, talks to fan fiction writers. I was on an episode. It's so much fun. It's a really good show. Even if I wasn't on it, I would still recommend the show. It's so good. <laughs> Go check out Bookmark and Busy, you guys. Well, Meg, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Do you have any last words of wisdom or jokes or Bo-Katan shout-outs? That's what any, I thought you were going to say, Hope. Any, any Bo-Katan bits that you want to leave with us? Bo-Katan, Kreese, rightful ruler of Mandalore. I have a question She's great. for you. <laughs> yes. Before you go. Where does one get a Bo-Katan helmet? Are they, what, is that a Disney product or is there somebody that, like custom making those? Does ugh, one have to that get is custom? A, I believe that's a Black Series helmet, I think. Um, so Hasbro, um, wow. Big Bad Toy Store. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than a custom one that you'd get, um, I'm sure. which is which is, um, I was going to have to go the other route, and then they announced it, and I was like, yeah, I don't have to pay $400. Though, I would gladly go on Etsy and pay a wonderful creator that much money for Bo-Katan anytime. I, I feel bad for the, the like, Mandalorian cosplayers the day that, like, I see the science story where some, and it's going to be some Star Wars nerd metallurgist. It's like, scientist invents new metal called Beskar. Oh. It's like, oh no. <laughs> oh, you poor guys. Well, come back next week, you guys, and uh, we'll be talking about Mandalorian Episode 12, The Siege, next week. And another. Yes, we are. We'll touch on the Gina Carano like we did on, in the episode four of last week, but it's going to be another one of those episodes, guys. So just another them, episode so. where we're touching on Gina Carano. Oh no. <laughs> All right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye. Say bye, Meg. Say bye, Meg. Oh, did you say bye, Meg? I did. Oh, well, say it again. I didn't hear it. Bye. You, you cannot leave until you say goodbye to our listeners. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Need a bigger boat.